My eyes are wonderful. Your eyes are wonderful, and you always have positive things to say about me. Well, you know, if you, if you don't have positive things to say, then you have nothing to say at all. But wasn't it Mae West that said, if you don't have anything nice to say, come sit next to me? <laughs> well, she liked that type of thing. <laughs> Welcome back to the Ellen Terry podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the Why Aren't You Famous podcast with me, Andrew Grimm, your host, and... Ellen Cherry, your co-host. Co, oh, my co-host, my second banana. Oh, why can't I be? I guess I should be first banana. You are first banana. You eat enough bananas. I do at least once a day, and also alphabetically, my last name is before yours, but my first name is after yours. So maybe we are on equitable footing. Hmm. Very good. We need to create an alphabet where it doesn't go from A to Z. It's just all the letters at once. <laughs> alphabet soup. Oh boy, yeah, alpha, alphabet puree. <laughs> so how are you doing, Ellen Cherry? I'm doing great. I haven't seen you so in so long since the last time we recorded the last podcast, literally minutes ago. Yeah, it felt, it's felt like years. <laughs> you know, you know. Did you get any? Did you make any enemies yet? Because that was your big thing. God. You're gonna talk about. Making I should have spent that ten minutes in between the last one and this one really concentrating on enemies. What do you think? What do you think is? Um, what do you think you're gonna gain by developing enemies? A, and well, actually, A should be how are you going to go about creating enemies, and then B, what do you think you're going to gain by that? Okay, I realize that maybe I have given you the wrong impression about the purpose of that's the B question. I'll get to that in a second. Okay. A, how am I going to go about it? I'm going to do about it. I think probably the same way that Peter Pumpkin head did, which is spreading wisdom and cash around. So please send money so I can spread it around. <laughs> Huh. No, I I think the the you the, liberal and the reason why I was talking about that was that um, I didn't make an enemy, but at one of the shows you and I played a couple weeks ago, I was singing a song. I had written a, a silly song about oh yeah making fun of the president and comparing him to a baby. Yeah, and a local um, musician friend mm-hmm. of yours walked out. <laughs> Yeah. So is he my enemy now? Did I make an enemy? And I thought about that. No, I didn't because we had a discussion later on Facebook that I thought was pretty friendly, you know, or mm-hmm. like, you know, not, it wasn't unfriendly. And I don't think that he, it, it doesn't matter, but he walked out, he was offended and he didn't want to engage in conversation about it and be thoughtful with me. Um, <laughs> That's not helpful. I know, I'm just that is joking. not helpful. That is not, that is not any way to engage anyone in the I conversation. No, I'm just being cynical and sarcastic. Um, so that happened. But I wonder about making enemies just by doing that type of work, just by the work that I want to do naturally and just having it amplified. That it's just like, I don't, I, I feel like I was conditioned to um, be very polite uh-huh. and I'm trying to shed my politeness. You're doing a good job of it. Thanks. I did just a minute ago because that was rude. You're right. I, and it's like the second time that I've... <laughs> self reprimanded myself about it because it isn't not it's not oh, you're one helpful of those. it's not that it's not nice it's not that it's, it's just that it's not helpful it's not productive no it's not helpful yeah. that's that's the whole like that that argument that we have when 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 I want to argue with a with somebody who voted for Trump you know I, I don't really want to argue with, with 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 them because I'm you get ahead of yourself in your head about like like how could they do this da, 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 da. instead of engaging in the conversation and saying okay well I hear you you know yeah. what uh, how do we get down to the heart of what is driving that right. opinion and 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 how like even the left even even the folks who haven't who didn't vote for for Trump 
has lost its persuasive edge. Yeah. And, and in place, there's And this, become rigid, totally yeah, rigid. Like you, you're, yes. you're an idiot. And it's like, well, you know, okay, once you get all that out, then, you know, maybe you should try with like, well, you must be hurting. I think so what I, <laughs> back to back to what I was trying to say and stumbling over before is that I don't necessarily want to actively engage in creating enemies. I think that, I was just using it as a facetious and sarcastic description of how I, I want to do good things and that there are people like, especially in that song, Peter Pumpkinhead by XTC, he's just doing good, loving things. He talks about love. He's helping the poor right. and, and people who, who should be enemies of that are being highlighted. Mm-hmm. And that's what the purpose of it is. I want to highlight the enemies of people who are against love and music and sharing and protecting and caring for each other and being loving and kind. And I want them to reveal themselves as my enemies so that we can fucking thwart them. Wow. So the well, second question, yeah. B, Ooh. was Ooh. that's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for thwarting purposes. Okay. And smiting. Well, you, <laughs> yes. Not for understanding and, and, and meeting in the middle, but for absolute complete domination. <laughs> yes. Right, great. Oh, boy. I tell you what, Ellen Cherry, it's been a long day. <laughs> it's been a long day. A long we don't day. have to get into communism right now. We, so we don't have to now. Because let... today's topic is about... The physical. The physical effect of... I don't even actually know. I yeah. didn't really understand it. Well... Like as, most of these essays. As, as, we, as we remind the listener, uh, when, when, when Ellen Cherry and I created this podcast, <laughs> when we started talking about it and planning it out... We, we were drunk. We, we were so hammered, man. <laughs> Because, like, you know, uh, being, like, super rock stars and stuff, we're just, like... With local fame? Dude, we are so... We're ripped all the time. I'm ripped right now. (laughs) What? Where am I? I'm drinking... uh, What am I drinking? Ooh, Klosthaler. Non-alcoholic amber. Sweet. Anyway, so when we created the list... (laughs) When we created the list, we were really just kind of throwing out ideas about the essays yeah and i think like you know after a while it just became like well can we get to 24 (laughs) so anything was like you know the kitchen sink and everything else went into it and so but then there's this idea like then when we we go back before we write these essays um usually this is initiated by ellen cherry she says well what does that mean what what i don't understand what this means and so then we have like a brief conversation and then she's like i got it and then she goes off and she writes a a really cool essay and then and then i'm kind of like well what does that mean? And so yeah, that's why we have different essays and different takes on things. Yeah. And and it's cool to listen to them without yeah. without having heard them before. And what's really cool too, I think now, is that we're starting to get where there's like a trickle a trickle of feedback now kind of starting to pop up. Oh, um cool. well we got that uh the uh one guy on Facebook, uh Dino is his name. Um he went to, I went to college with him. He said that he really likes the podcast. Oh nice, good. You, you liked it. I did. Yeah. I'm just liking things all over the place. Wow. Trying to work on my enemies list. <laughs> okay. Well, there's that. I'm sure, pretty sure. Did you know that if you like something on Facebook, <laughs> somebody can like no. that you liked it? Yeah. It's a meta like. I like that you like something. That's what I mean by enemies. Right. Okay. The thumbs down button. No. So cool. I will go back and look what I liked about Dino. I remember Dino. 
You remember Dino? Yeah, I remember Dino. I remember Dino. Yeah. Um, so let's hear your essay. Okay. So yeah. So my essay is uh, my essay is my essay is my essay. So take that. So this is going to be about the physical. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Socrates, Euripides, Susan B. Anthony, Beethoven, Nathaniel Hawthorne, Mark Twain, Emily Dickinson, Jane Austen, Flannery O'Connor, James Baldwin, Raymond Carver, Jimi Hendrix, Billie Holiday, Lou Reed, Tom Petty. All of these people are dead. None of them retain a physical form. All of them are famous. What a scary thought that at some point, what we put out into the world will be the only proof of our existence. We will become only an idea, a thought that may become a faint echo through time heard by succeeding generations. What's scary about this notion is that at the same time, there are millions of other voices doing the same thing. Sure, you're not going out alone, but there's a greater chance your voice will be obscured in the din. Which brings me to the point about the physical importance of fame. While we are awake and healthy and young, we must produce work. The raw blaze of thought and seemingly relentless energy of creativity flows from the brain to the fingers. In later years, as we slow down, that blaze turns to a simmer and a warming reflection on experience, something we may translate as wisdom. Unfortunately, with this idea of fame, it's not just about the work, but how you look. Stress and age will not be denied their voices on that matter. In some sort of ironic twist, though, we've seen fame create a tension and pressure which bears and tears down the physical state of artists. They tend to age faster and burn out quicker than when they are vulnerable. They get compared to the image and vitality of their earlier self. That must be a nightmare to set a standard or be a standard so young and to be expected to always meet it with little room for reinterpretation. Let me share a secret. I don't like including pictures of myself on my records because I don't really think it should matter what I look like or that my personal style might affect the listener's view. I'm average height with a semi-dad bod. I could stand to work out, maybe get a new haircut, and yes, I've been wearing the same jeans and shirts for about 20 years no lie. I shudder when people talk about an artist's image because that's just smoke and mirrors. I don't think it's them. Maybe it's a statement, but images fade. Fame makes us old and useless in the reflection of a younger image we could never again attain. But the words in the songs are what continue. They can have new life breathed into them, interpreted and reinterpreted, in many ways that will never age. Good job, Grim. Another great essay. Well, you know, 
shucks. Jeez, you know I'm pretty brilliant. There, my mother has at several points in my life we've had this conversation where she has talked about the forgetting in families of people that are one to two generations separated. The yes. idea that in my family, uh, my Parents and grandparents are children of immigrants, and then there's not a lot of records or foot photography that goes earlier than, and I'm sure this is true for a lot of families, oh, yeah. earlier than the tw- 30s, 20s, teens, and and the memories, like the oral traditions in our family of like who was who and their personalities disappears literally within two generations. And I've observed that the attention that younger people in my family pay attention to older people, aunts and uncles and grandparents, is um, it seems less than the way that I wrote and spoke to my grandparents. Um, and that may just be on an individual basis. I was very interested. I was a historian. I was right. always interested in their stories. I'm a storyteller. I was always interested in my grandparents', my grandparents journey, sometimes to this country, throughout the country, their life how they felt about the culture. Um, But the idea that you were talking about in your essay of the artifact lasting for you and I, neither of us have children and a lot and right. And yet we're somehow fulfilled. It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not saying that you can't be fulfilled with children. You, it looks like you certainly can both ways. There's life fulfillment in both breeding and not breeding. (laughs) Uh huh. But, I'm, and I don't want to speak for you about this, but I made a conscious choice not to breed. <laughs> well, I, I, I wasn't really, inter- I wasn't interesting in, interested in having children. And then nature has a way of saying no. Yeah, so, right. Exactly. Yeah, as, as odd as that is. So. I hope that doesn't, I don't mean to hurt your feelings. <laughs> Did I hurt your feelings? No, he's no, laughing. I don't care. But, so. Oh my God, ladies and gentlemen, I am incapable of having children. <laughs> I'm just letting you guys know that now. There was there were some complications at some point in my uh, development. Um, you know, I let's mean, leave I, it there. I, I mean, I could still have sex; it's great. But like, you know, I'm just not having kids. We are talking soon. about the physical right now. We are talking about the <laughs> very physical. deeply. Yes. My point with that is that we, you and I, personally, um, in our lifetime, will not have genetic material that comes from our specific set of genes and is given to the next generation so the, and sometimes that's the artifacts of what other people produce in their life if they're not producing a building a paper a recording sure. something other artifact then their artifact is their children right. sometimes. They're, they're, and that's, yeah. a, that's a direct biological need yes right and so the idea of you're talking about that lasting artifact was interesting because yes those people achieved fame sometime, sometimes in their own lifetime but their fame grew Mm-hmm. over human history because of the artifacts that they left behind. And then the second thing that you address is the idea of the physical toll that it takes on people who become famous really early when they are doing um, the exploratory work right. of creation, which can sometimes sometimes lead to brilliant genius works right. and sometimes not. I mean, there's plenty of, peop- there's plenty of evidence of, of artists that worked for four decades before they yeah. revealed their genius sure. finally. And then there's definitely people who have been early, had early genius and expressed it and then were criticized <laughs> later for not being as genius as they were the first time around, which is fucking ridiculous. Um, but that, that, that is a stressful thing. And the, the pressure of fame, and I do look at that as, 
a relief. Like when you were talking about that in your in your essay, I thought about that. I have an affection for my recordings from 1996 mm-hmm. to 2007. So a pretty long period of time that I, as an independent musician, never had a label, rarely had producer, producing help, paid for everything myself, was really mindful of being in the studio, which you can tell we talked about, I talked about that in an earlier essay of being squeezed and restricted and feeling nervous about it because of financial constraint. Um, when I listen to those recordings, it's experimentation and it's, right. and I don't feel like I had developed the skill level that other people have had their first time out of the gate for whatever reason. And I feel like now I'm not trying, I am proud of the progress that I've made. And I think that the recordings now are better. Sure. Um, the songwriting is better. But if you had to base your judgment on what I was doing in 1996 and 1997, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't genius yet, you know? And I'm not saying I'm a genius. But I have written two really good songs the last couple of years. Yes, you have. You've written several good songs. Yeah. So limited at a couple. I've written some good songs, but I feel like I've written two really great songs the last couple of years. Like there are songs that I really enjoy playing and I'm sort of like, yeah, that that is an impressive line. As a songwriter, I am outside appreciating like, hey, way to go. Right, right, right. And it doesn't happen often. And that's another reason why I'm um, fine with not being famous because I feel like it would detract me from like the deep introspection and time that I need to impress myself again. And that's getting harder and harder. The sure. more skill I get, it's getting harder and harder to impress myself. So right, right. anyway. Yeah, when you hear your own song, you're like, God, I wish I wrote that. Oh, I did write that. Yay. Oh, I'm the best. And I get to sing it. You know Woo. what I mean. Oh, of course. Of course I do. Um, yeah, I think like the uh, the, the whole physical thing, um, the, the, the manifestation of, of who we are um, is so... While we're alive, I guess I I don't, I don't know if we think about it beyond like uh, like you know what happens like fifty years after I'm dead will anybody remember me or anything like that or I, I do you know. ever think about that I don't know if I when I was when I was teaching um, I always felt kind of secure that my legacy was just going to carry on with those kids like they're gonna they're gonna remember me yeah and I and I think they do and that was important and that was well that was kind of like a side benefit it was a cool thing like it was like okay so at least something that I was doing in the classroom carried on with these kids, Yeah, you know, and, um, and it was really funny cause I've left teaching a couple of times and, and, and each time you leave, there's this funny thing that happens. Like, um, the first year in 2010, when I quit, uh, I went back for a graduation thing or whatever to, to, I was playing a song for their graduating class and, and I mean, you'd think that I was like some sort of super rock star, like the way that people like treated me and ran up to talk to me and they were really excited to see me. And it was really, and it was funny. It was like, oh, okay, this is great. You know, yeah. but then, <clears throat> but then like if you're, if you're gone for more than a year, you know, well, people forget who you are. Like the, the students have no idea who you are. I was just there two weeks ago, three weeks ago for a, for a, um, a career day speech. And when I, when I, when I walked into the school, it was like, it's, I realized the only people who remember me is a small subsection of the senior class. Mm-hmm. So it was only about like maybe 60 kids would have even recognized that I was there or, or who I was. Um, and one of the things we used to do as teachers is uh, the strategic academic intrusion, where you would walk into somebody else's class while they're teaching and try to derail them. 
uh, and there's this one teacher, uh, a guy named uh, Tom DeLise, who uh, he's this is his last year. He's retiring after this year, and he's he's a really he's a really great teacher, but he also catches a lot of shit from a lot of people. And so um, I, I I stared into his room for a moment, and and he looked at me, and he's like, oh. And so he opened up the door, and I, I came in, and uh, he started making fun of me, which is his, his custom to do, because you know I mean he's he's old and withering, and he's sad about like you know what his life has come to so he has to lash out at people who are younger and, and more with more vitality than he has whoa um, i didn't expect it to take that turn i thought this was going to be a colloquial little prairie home companion discussion of a former teacher colleague but go ahead well th- this is okay <laughs> um so i'm just hoping that he listens to this podcast and hears me say those things about him because uh, that's not anything that i didn't say in front of his class um but uh, this guy, he's old and irrelevant. But, but what, what he, he then goes, hey, did he, he t- turns to his class. He goes, any of you here ever have Mr. Grimm as a teacher? And they all looked at him with these blank stares. I said, uh, nobody knows who I am here yeah. any, anymore. And there's that sobering thing, like a place where I was once somebody. I am no longer anybody. Yeah. And how them. quickly it happened. Yeah. So it's like, um, I think what it is, is that I have to put the trust in my work uh, and put the effort into my work. And when I when I go, there it is. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm leaving behind. Which reminds me of this really great. Well, that was close. I almost knocked myself out with a microphone. Um, there's this uh, guy, Andy, Andy the Doorbum, who is a he was a. I met him down in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, at Snug Harbor, the the bar, and uh, he was like, "Yeah, I'm going on the road pretty soon." Blah blah blah. I might, I might be up in Baltimore. I was like, "Oh, cool." You know, exchange emails and stuff and. Uh, and so he played some, it was a really weird gig somewhere down in uh, Mount Vernon. And uh, I went to see it and he was, he was kind of like this Tom Waitsy kind of guy, mm-hmm. kind of, he was playing electric guitar. It was like electric guitar and trombone <laughs> and, uh, and, and like maybe a drum or something. It was really weird. But he has this, he had this really great line where he said, he said, yeah, you know, I understand. I can't take it with me, but I can leave a lot of stuff behind. <laughs> And I was like, oh, snap. I wish I'd written that line. It's a good line. <laughs> but you start thinking about like, well, what you leave behind is probably the most important thing. And I want to leave behind good work. I want to leave behind, there's another like, whoopee con moment, you know, be well, do good work. But yeah. But that's the whole idea. Yes. And there are some people who have what we would consider fame who are doing that. Mm-hmm. And it is facilitated by their fame. Yep, absolutely. And I'm sure it's stressful and taking a toll on their physical health. Oh, there's no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. You know who you are. My cousin Donnie. He, He's so stressed out. Oh, my God. He, he's so stressed out. He's like, he got these night terror sweats <laughs> that like, oh, you know, they don't fit right exactly. So he got to get another pair from the Kmart. I'm I'm indulging you right now. <laughs> well, you should indulge. Well, oh, well, my fucking cousin Donnie, man, he got indulged once. Let me tell you. I mean, he's like. Should it, we should we listen to my essay? <laughs> yes, we should listen to your essay, <laughs> Ellen Cherry. Yes. All uh, right. So, do you want to say anything about the essay before we play it? It stressed me out. <laughs> it stressed it stressed me out. You know. It stressed me out doing well, this. Well, I, you, well, you know, Ellen Cherry, stressed <laughs> is just desserts spelled backwards. It is. Dang. I'm hungry. So I'll make some. I'll make his eggs. <laughs> it's not dessert. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. All right. My fucking cousin Donnie. It's early in the morning, and I'm supposed to deliver this essay so that we can record our podcast later today. 
And that has me stressed. I went to bed stressed because I realized I didn't really have a topic for the conversation and a topic for the essay like I usually do because it was just eluding me. So that was causing me stress. So finally, I was so stressed out that I just went to sleep, decided to get up early and try it again. And I woke up with no ideas. And so it was an instant feeling of stress, maybe more anxiety. But I thought about that like, this is completely self-imposed. <laughs> and most of the stress that I experience about my work is completely self-imposed. And I think it comes from a sense of wanting to be perfect about it. Or not even perfect, but just achieving something that feels like flying. I went hang gliding once a couple of years ago. That's the closest that I've been to flying like a bird. I mean, being in a plane is more just like sitting in a very scary chair that's a few miles from the ground flying at 500 miles an hour. Hang gliding seemed akin to flying to me. But I do do something every other day that's kind of like flying, and that's swimming. And when I think about how I feel about stress, one of the ways that I relieve it is by swimming. And then I get stressed if I don't swim. <laughs> but let me tell you about swimming. Swimming is the one place and the one activity where I feel completely in charge and full of mastery and know what I'm doing and I'm good at it. And it's really just about me pushing myself to swim better, to be stronger, to swim for longer. And I feel absolutely no stress when I'm in the pool. It's the one place in the world where I have just a complete feeling of flying. So this is a rambling essay because I didn't actually write this one first. I just thought, I'm just going to get up and record it. I looked up the definition of distress, and it is suffering pain or anxiety or sorrow. And there have been times in my participation in the music business where I have definitely felt anxiety and pain and sorrow and stress and distress. And I found that the word distress comes from the Latin and French origins, meaning stretched apart. And I wonder if the reasons why I feel stressed are because I am being pulled apart from the thing that really makes me happy or is really not against my spirit, being stretched in a way that is not useful. There's a term that was coined by an endocrinologist in the 70s called eustress, spelled E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S, -E -S -S, um, from the Greek meaning good. And I found that to be fascinating because my tendency is to always look at the distress part of situations and not necessarily focus on the eustress part of it which is that there's a striving and a vigor. And I realized that even in my beloved stress-free area of swimming, there is actually a type of stress, eustress, good stress, because I'm pushing myself. And so I wonder if there's a way 
at this point in my life, after a few decades of creating music, that I can start to really focus my energy on eustress. I don't know. I guess I just have to try, which is what I did with this essay. I just tried. I hope you liked it. That was uh, e- that uh, was even <clears throat> worse than I remember it this morning. Uh, oh my god! Ellen Terry, I have one question. Oh no! I only have one question. I'm I, a, I'm a, I'm not embarrassed because it's no, like, you shouldn't be. No, I, I, the essay is good. I just have one question. Okay, what's your question? Um, did you ever finish filling up the swimming pool <laughs> that you were filling up during that essay? My God, woman! Uh, <laughs> Are you curious about what that sound was? <laughs> Are you you're running a bath? Uh, so I like to take my handheld recorder and when I go out into nature or on vacation, I record water. So I'll go to the ocean and I'll record the sound of the ocean or I'll go up to when I'm hiking in Gunpowder Falls River, um, Gunpowder River. I go up there and in Maine. And, and so this morning when I was putting together this essay and I was trying to figure out a sound that could go with it, I was like, what about water? I'm going to end up talking about swimming so but listening to it now it sounds like i'm running a bath <laughs> scrub, it sounds like i'm running scrubbing a bath. down I gotta, <laughs> I gotta 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 scrub this stress off stress stress i have stress nodules i can't believe that i um have to do this essay while i'm actually in the shower that's what it sounded like <laughs> right. um, yeah, you're so right. i'm not embarrassed it's just proof that um grim and i are trying to manage a lot of things including this therapeutic podcast that is really for ourselves um <laughs> and that it was the, the distress of having to do this essay was stressing me out so bad that i sure. i literally fell asleep last night i was just like i can't think about this anymore <laughs> wow i was like i'm setting alarm i'll get up in the morning and i'll deal with it and then the morning i woke up and i was like uh, i mean exactly what i sure. said i just had i was but, stressed but the, about it the important part the important thing about the essay and the important thing about the process or, and and even the topic we talk about stress like there's there is this this um we both talk about it. we talk about the pressure yeah. you know there's a lot of pressure on 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 self-imposed not i think anything that is public like societal pressure is just kind of made up stuff i think the real pressure comes from within and we really feel like we have to produce something brilliant or genius or, or, or just even good. And, you know, you and I, uh, and, and actually all the writers that I, I, I know and respect and I like, uh, we all have that, you know, there's, there's pressure, but we also have uh, very clear boundaries and, and what, what Hemingway called uh, a built-in shockproof shit detector. And you know when you're doing something that's terrible. You, you know, I mean, you know almost immediately when you're writing something where, you know, if you're writing a song and you're, you're producing it and you're, you know, you're not really, you're not, for me, it's when I'm not happy with the lyrics. Musically, I'm usually pretty okay with how everything kind of falls uh, together. But, but lyrically, I'll be like, ugh, ugh that's a terrible lyric. Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that for the moment and it's just be a placeholder and I'll figure that out later. And then yeah. I go back and rework it. But I know, I know, it's, I know it's crap when I see it. And even when I share songs, if I share a song with you or I share a song with my friends, you know, I there's this sudden moment of like pressure of like I I have to qualify to you immediately. This line's terrible. I know it. I I, I don't want you to think that I think that it's good. It's not. It's terrible. Yeah. You know, and but that's also you know the way you just qualified your essay. 
you know. And your essay, and I'm here to tell you the essays. I don't think the I think the essay is really good for an improvisation at like what time in the morning. And yeah. you know, there you were doing your dishes, and the water's <laughs> running in the background, and you have soap in your eye, and you know, like ah, oh, and then you're trying to like, you know, you're trying to hit pause on your phone, and then you're getting water on the iPhone. You're like, oh, is that going to kill it? And then you got to put it in a bag of rice and blah blah blah. But I think the the, the point is is that the the point is that the the stress exists, and that we do try. And those are the two big things that you talked about in that essay to begin with, was like, how do you cope with the stress? And being an artist is not about being successful all the time. It's about the attempt. And there, and, and, you know... That's a nice thing to say. It is about the attempt. It is. It's always about the attempt. It's like that moment in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest when he's just like, at least I tried. Yeah. At least I tried. (laughs) Mmm, juicy fruit. (laughs) I'm feeling like that... I'm more aware of how much I feel like that. Yeah. That I, I'm more aware of. And maybe that's a way of shifting my own negative voice to being like, well, you tried and yeah. that's good. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> this the same thing goes with your, with the conversation we've been having about your portraits project. Yeah. You know, you're, you're not happy with where it is and you've, you've done this and you've done that and you've hired this person and then, you know, you rework this part and then you revise that part and then you performed it there and then you're like, oh, I think it's okay. And then you're like, no, I don't think it's okay. And then like, you know, where are those marbles? I put when I was nine and then you're trying to figure all that stuff out. I definitely have distress about that project. You, you, I you, feel stretched apart over it. You certainly <laughs> do. And that, and I would, I would argue that that's okay. It, it doesn't feel good. But the reason it doesn't feel good is because it's not you're you do not think that it's meeting the standards that you have set for yourself. Yeah, it's not solved yet. The the, the equation isn't solved yet. And and you know my my the argument that I've always had with my students about about writing, but also about my own music, and and I would even argue with you. And and I know that I know you totally believe this, because this is another conversation we could have at some other point. But you know, once you finish a record, it's not done. Mm-mm. And you like I still hear things in my. I, that's why I can't listen to anything past you know anything before two thousand nine. I don't listen to those records. I can't. Oh my god, I was an idiot back then. And the live performances that I do of the songs that I choose off of those records, oh, they're really great. I really like those. But but that's part of it too because those songs have been like little children that have matured and grown yeah. and changed over time, and right. actually were not. I mean, the the you and I have talked about this before, and we've talked about it with tons of recording artists. That like it's a snapshot, and once you realize that it's a snapshot, then you accept more. You relax about the room sound, or about an out of tune note, or just even a moment in time that is an interesting quirk. Right. Um, whereas when I hear major label pop produced songs. Sometimes there's not that playfulness and acceptance of the snapshot in right, it, right. and and when you do hear those on a on a big release, you know, or a big um, hit song, like <clears throat> I feel like Daft Punk did that pretty well in Random Access Memories. There were these huge soundscape songs that were danceable, but you could tell that they were live musicians and they're really playing. Like, right, the right. drummers and were amazing, and they were recorded, and you could hear room sound, and it was incredible. Um, I don't think you can hear that if you're just listening to it on tiny earbuds, but if you listen to it on actual like headphones right, or right, right. stereo system. Um, and that Kendrick Lamar song that I was jamming out to last week, that there's so many little elements in there that are playful and fun and 
your favorite artist, Kesha. Oh, yeah. She's the best. Ha- sh- like, Grim, I know what a huge fan of hers <clears throat> you are. She has huge. this great song called Woman, and in the middle of it, she uses this vocal track that is her laughing, and it's like you can tell that she's just in the room, in the vocal booth, just laughing, and she's mm-hmm. just messed up one of the lines, and they kept it, and I was like, that's awesome. Sure. She's the, the, she's the Mac. <laughs> I think you would like that. You need to listen to Woman. I am not listening to Woman. I'm not it's listening to Kesha. It's got the Dap Kings on it. <laughs> Uh, and and for the Dap Kings, I'm glad for them because they they you know Kesha Shmesha man that's what I say. <laughs> I know I know how you feel about her, yep. her music about her music. Yeah, I don't know her personally, and you know I, I read the interviews. So stress and perfectionism, and our own. I don't know where are we going with this stress. Well, we were supposed to talk about the physical effects of fame. Yeah, it's well, but but that stress is it is physical because you know you listen to your listen to your voice on that, on you know just the you know the like when you get stressed out about these things or when when you think about the physical pressure of fame, it affects your health. You get run down. You get you know, uh, you know I yeah. and and it, you know it, actually when when we I first started listening to the essay, it sounded more like it was rain. And it was so it was a rainy, atmospheric type of thing. And then you're, you know, how you come in on the, you know, you're sounding very Eeyore like, and tired. Yeah, yeah. And, and very just kind of like, oh, it's ugh. the morning. <laughs> and and there's that, you know, I, I don't know if fame does that because once again, neither of us are famous. Yeah. But both of us work hard. You know, I mean, I'm super tired. I've I, my last forty eight hours have been stupid. Yeah. I was in New York City. I was on a mega bus. I was. I was uh, walking around Queens. I was teaching college. I was then to Georgetown University, listening to, you know, Archbishop Bishop McElroy talk to somebody about something about something, and then he and has a hit song. He does Uptown Funk. Uptown Funk, gonna give it to you. Yeah. Oh no, I it's, love, it's, it's upstairs funk. I love how the Vatican is getting involved in pop culture. You know that uh, that Pope Francis. He's he's Pope he's, Funky Francis. Well, it's time for their snack. Okay, so listeners, dear listeners, I looked over to my right and there were two cats just sitting there like, just, they surprised me, like familiars. Yep. Non-familiar familiars. Well, you can, you can, you can scratch uh, Mouse on the head a little bit more. He, he really likes it. He'll start purring immediately. Oh, Yeah. So, 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 it, <laughs> so both of us are so tired that we're so easily distracted by cats. By cats. Well, there's little dudes. They're pretty cool. They're nice guys. <laughs> I like my cats. Um, anyhow, I know I realize I say that a lot uh, in this podcast. <laughs> you but, do talk about your cats, a but lot. that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, the but to get back to the idea of the stress and the physical and stuff, it, it it is a grind. And I was thinking, I was thinking that when I was when I started thinking about my essay, uh, I was going to write about. I, I wanted to write about like you know how debilitating that that famous people you you watch them go through some sort of like awful decline <laughs> like because the, the 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 pressure is so immense to to keep not only like inventing work that's great but then they have an audience that they feel they feel like they have to please mm-hmm. you know it's like well you, you know because if they don't then they're not going to buy it and and so you know these these people are in probably a lot of pain and stress and then they self-medicate, and then that self-medication takes years off their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love I, I love Tom Petty, but you, you saw him the last few years, man. He looked terrible. 
And I don't think it was because of the fame that he was trying, like, because he was Tom Petty. I mean, he had reached yeah, the level that... Yeah, he doesn't need to be more famous. He didn't. He, he was at his pinnacle for, like, the past 25 years yeah, of fame. Yeah, because he's doing amazing work. But even in that amazing work, he's, you know... He he didn't take care of himself. Mm-hmm. You know he didn't do the he didn't do the things that he needed to do. He was still smoking and he was still, I mean I don't know if he was on drugs, but uh, but he you know you're in that world and and then it's just like well what does it matter I guess I I don't know I'm kind of making that shit up but <laughs> but it just it just seems like you know uh, Amy Winehouse is a great example of of somebody who's you know they say they they can't handle the fame. I don't know if that's true. I think that it seems to me. Did I think you it's see self-destructive that? more than anything else. It's well, the fame seems to exacerbate and quicken. Um, <laughs> Almost choked up on my own coffee. <laughs> the wasting disease of fame. Yeah. You know, like it's a circular thing. Where did you see the documentary about her, no. Amy? It's mm. excellent. It's on HBO, right? It might be on HBO or Amazon or something. It's amazing. People should watch it. I think it really showcases what an amazing talent she was. Right. Songwriter and guitar player and musician. Just really, really brilliant. And because um, I think that there's sometimes the illusion, especially with female artists, there's still the illusion that there's not a lot of um, owning and or um, not ownership, uh that they are the source of all of that creative right. material. And she was. I mean, she was a great songwriter and and a really fine musician as well. And an incredible vocalist. I mean, it just the instrument of her voice. And performer when she was able to. But right. it you, you can see a person who is struggling with addiction, specifically to alcohol, and... Which is an acceptable thing to be addicted to because sure. it's a legal drug. That's right. Um, and we... I mean, especially in this country, it's celebrated and... Um, it, and it's expected. Yeah. And she... I, I really do feel like that fame... I don't know. I mean, I don't... The documentary talks about, like, the... How the, her level of fame did not benefit her because there were people more interested in... Not more interested... The tabloid aspect. It seemed like it was almost more of a joke, you know, like you become a joke that way, and like that's a person who, well, you become is actually contributing something valuable to everybody else, and is a a positive force for good, and dealing with sorrow and breakup, and in song, and 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 celebrating a tradition of music. Well, that Back to Black record is really, it's it's a great record. Oh my god, it's from beginning to end. It sounds so good, and the turn of phrase is good. The writing's really good, and. Um, just the whole feel of it, and the fact that it was like it was it ushered in, I don't want to say a new sound, but a refreshed idea of sound mm-hmm. for what was what was popular, what was going on at a particular time, and so you know you have all those things, and I think that's really you know that it's a it's, you know it's a there's an artifact that will last a long time. I think I'm a little bit afraid of not afraid, but I think that I would be afraid if if I became famous that there's that celebration of the destructive quality of it i think i would uh, uh, i think i would save all my money like you know if, i mean if you if you <clears throat> if you suddenly had a, a worldwide hit you would have to redraw your boundaries yeah and you would i don't want to sound cliche when i say stay grounded mm-hmm. but you would have to keep your eyes on your work and I think you would probably have to actually leave the internet. 
Yeah. I mean, if you're going to survive. Yeah. Because I'm I'm too sensitive. Like, if I read it on the internet, like, you know, Grimm sucks. I, well, A, if it was like somebody I know, I'm like, I don't rule, I don't care. Yeah. You know, if, if, a, if, a, if a rock critic that, you know, is a writer and is like, well, you know, it's not that good of a record, I'd be like, I don't know, man, I heard your record. It wasn't very good. Yeah. You know, well, you want to go head to head, toe to toe with songwriting? All right. I let's I'm down. If it was a fellow musician or like a fellow musician or or just, you know, somebody who you, you know, there 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 are a couple there are a couple folks in town who uh I'm not going to mention names or anything like that, but there's some <laughs> folks who who dabble in music. And I know I don't know if their writing's all that good. Yeah. You know. And so I don't take personally to that, but like if there's like the 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 internet trolls of the world, I was like, man, I don't need that negativity. Yeah, and it's just kind of like it's kind of like me and drinking. You know, every other year I take a year off, hmm. and I didn't realize it was that planned out. It, it is now. Okay, it became planned out last year. Interesting. I was drinking too much. Yeah, I was. I was. I, and it wasn't. It was the drinking, maybe, but it was the productivity that I wasn't seeing. Yeah, and I was like, you know, I went. I I worked so hard to get out of teaching high school. And to do all those other things, why am I why am I drinking a six pack of IPA in the at, at two p.m. Yeah, you know that's just it's not good. So I wanted to redefine my boundaries and try to figure out. Okay, well you know what? Let me, I'll take another year off of drinking. Yeah, and then then you know this next year coming up in June I'll be back off of the wagon. But it's about like I, I want to retain my control. Yeah, and I I don't have like it's not like I'm I'm struggle with that. Well, whatever I'm getting off my topic, but what, what was my point? I was drinking. Blah, blah, blah. We were talking about Amy Winehouse and Amy Winehouse. I was talking about the shot. Oh 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 right. Yeah. Watching somebody fall. Sure, and then then there's that idea of it's also, even more insidious than shot and Freud because shot and Freud is sort of like some, a mishap happens to somebody. And you're like ha 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 ha. Right. Not like oh my gosh, that is a person who is literally days away from dying or right, right but i think i think my point having was having a mental break was talking about how like you you re, re, if you reach that level of fame you have to redefine your boundaries okay. and then you know go you have because you're going to be isolated regardless if you're that famous and you can't go out to the restaurant for dinner or you can't go to the grocery store without mm-hmm. being bothered by people or approached by people or whatever you know you become you're going to become like incredibly isolated and i think that Instead of letting fame define you, you define fame. You have to take control of that for yourself. And, you know, I would want to live in the same house, but I don't think I would be able to. Yeah. I think I I said, okay, well, it's time to go to somewhere remote. (laughs) Yeah. And and to be away from people, you know. Um, And that could be, that, that, that might intensify the work better and it might not be exactly how I want to live, but also it's like understanding that this is the situation that I've created for myself. Yeah, exactly. You know, whatever. I don't think we're in danger of that. No, my goodness. (laughs) My goodness gracious. I would like to qualify. But that was all, that was all hypothetical. If we were. If we were. um, I don't think, I don't personally feel in danger of that in my lifetime because of the way that the system is set up. I'm simply too old to be even, I I mean, to to reach a level of fame that we are that we sometimes talk about would yeah that'll never happen. It would be the willingness of a company to invest millions and millions of dollars in right. a forty two year old woman, which yeah. that's that's why I think people say like why don't you go on the Voice because that is the type of shot that you take you know like right. you're 
it's they are looking for a story of somebody that is like not 22 and right. i don't know actually but i don't watch that show so i don't even know if what the kind of stories they're looking for i mean they're looking for stories that are like the well they're looking for the girl next door or yeah. they're looking for you know the farm boy uh or like you know the idiot savant who can sing and like you know I'm so critical of that show well it's, it's, it's <laughs> junk it's it's literally junk it, it's okay so <clears throat> The, the the problem with The Voice is that there's this idea that these people are artists. And I, I wholeheartedly disagree because they're playing cover songs. Is that the premise of it? Because I thought it was specifically just about performing. It, it is, but there's no artistry to it. And yeah. so, so this idea of like, well, you know, that's like window shopping at a guitar store. Yeah. It's like, oh, that one looks really good. Oh, that one sounds really good. Yeah. But, it, you know... Without the substance without, or the original content or yeah. like the the passion that it would inspire the two of us to participate in something like that if it actually was like... Oh, if it was a songwriting voice. A songwriting oh, voice. Yeah, like if it was something Ooh, where you have to bring your original music. This, maybe, we, maybe we should do a long-form video, this like is our, video vidcast. <laughs> this is our $10,000 idea. Songwriting voice so we can have spinning chairs and <laughs> stuff like that. Well, but, but, well, could you imagine? Could you imagine if you had like, you know, an American songwriter voice type of program where your mentors aren't like dipshits like Blake Shelton, and it's actually like you know Steve Earle, or, or you know, I mean, the, these are the people that you're working with are like you know yeah. the the songwriters that we both are just like, oh man, those people. Well, really Ben had Folds was on one of the song singing competitions i think it was the one where it's at the acapella group he was on that one and i remember thinking that was a solid choice by the producers because you're going to attract he's an amazing songwriter and incredible performer and musician and like and very funny and interesting and cool turns of phrase especially in his rock music and it's like yeah that is i would watch i would want to be a part of that competition where somebody like that is critiquing me well you know you know the 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 like the little vignettes that they show little vignettes of like the vocal coach working with the no you want to hit it like this you want to hit it like that blah 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 with the, the songwriting coaching with with those guys would be like this i don't know uh I, that, that doesn't sound right <laughs> Try you get to, to go back and do it again yeah, yeah that's that's all it is go back and stare at the wall for another two hours <laughs> this, this week is like this week on on the songwriter voice um i don't know uh Sounds kind of cliche to me. Uh, Have you tried looking in your rhyming dictionary? (laughs) (laughs) Those guys, I don't. I saw a rhyming dictionary the other day. I have one, and I have to tell you that I. You have one, of course. I'm a songwriter. Of course, I have a rhyming dictionary. I'm a songwriter. I don't have one. I just asked. I'm trying to be rhyming Paul Simon. Uh, I wrote two songs a couple of years ago during the FOM February album writing month. are you going to do that this year? Of course. I joined every year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and it was, this was like two or three years ago. And I wrote two songs. I wrote a couple of songs, but in the songs, I r- used the words sobriquet and obliet. <laughs> Very accessible words. Yeah. And because I was like, and I got this from the rhyming dictionary because uh. I was just like, well, what rhymes with this? And I think the line was, um, can the planets ask the son to forget something and i rhymed the word obliette which is a door on the floor that you would open oh that's an obliette oh, the door on the floor did you see that movie <laughs> i have read the book too oh. a widow for one year by john irving oh, good old uh, john irving good old john irving uh whatever happened to him 
Did he get famous? He, yeah, a prayer for Owen Meany. <laughs> he was like super famous. World and then, according to Garp. And I, then, he's dead, isn't he? <laughs> I think John Irving is dead. I'm not yeah. sure, but surely somebody, the two people who are still listening at this the point. The Hotel New Hampshire. <laughs> you, you say that every week. No one's listening to this. <laughs> Let us know. Oh, no, Jerry. Let us know. <laughs> I, that's what I mean. Like, there's a secret pessimist in the room who sounds like an optimist, and that's me. And there's a secret optimist in the room who sounds like a pessimist, and that's you. I, I, I believe you got to do what you got to do. Yes, you're a realist. And and our our time here in the studio, ish place, is valuable. It is valuable. I'm getting something out of this. <laughs> I don't I don't know what you're getting out of it, but I coffee. You are getting coffee, and you get to see my cats. And I get to see Andrew Grimm's cats. Yep. Those cute little dudes. So we're... Oh, sobriquet. Sobriquet, yes. Which is a beautiful word. Right. Which I believe means nickname. Oh. Like, call my sobriquet. Huh. You know what another word is that um, (laughs) doesn't make sense to me? Uh, Crepuscule. Crepuscular. Crepuscular? Crepuscular. 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 Yeah, that's uh, active at dusk. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's great. It's great Twilight. Word. I think crepuscule is, means twilight, doesn't it? Crepuscule? Crepuscule. Yeah, it's twilight, yes. Yeah. And it just seems like such a brutal, terrible word for such a beautiful time of day. Twilight. Well, you could rhyme it with muscular if you had to. <laughs> this day has been so muscular and now it's crepuscular. <laughs> no. Friends, yeah. get out your get out your rhyme and dictionaries. That's right. Get them out. <laughs> rhyme it with pusillanimous. So what are we are we promoting a track that should be famous? Today? We are. I don't know what, what track that is. <laughs> We're gonna stop and figure it out for okay. a second. We're gonna pause just Well, you're not gonna know. Wireless radio listeners, just hold on a second. Okay, so we're back um, deciding that we're going to listen to Andy Bopp's new single called Shadow, and uh, here you go. I can be free Living in your shadow Standing over me Hiding from the sun With a bit of light And some reservation
Wow, that was cool. I've never heard Andy Bop. No, I'm just joking. I've heard Andy Bop over the years, and that was really cool to hear that song because I didn't even know that he had a new single coming out. He did? Well, you're not on the social media like we are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> are, you, are you friends with Andy Bop on social media? I think that I'm friends with him on social media, hopefully. Yeah, you better double check. Yeah. Because uh, he posted that as a, uh, a YouTube video. Oh, cool. Which is pretty cool. So why yeah. tell me why you think it should be famous? Like, what is it about the song that appealed to you? And I mean, um, you, you're also playing on it. Oh well, yeah, that's the the only <laughs> real reason is because I'm playing lap steel on the uh, on the recorded artifact itself. Um, no, I think it should be famous because I think it's a well written song. I think it's uh, you know, it's it definitely has its Beatle elements to it and yeah. stuff like that. Um, but I, but not many people are doing things like that right now. Yeah. So you, there's kind of once again there's this new kind of like. You don't hear that very often, so I'm going to pause and kind of listen to it. It's like a refreshing reminder of that type of sound. Yeah. 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 And well done. Yeah, it's very well done. And it was recorded, um, you know, I recorded my parts here, you know, the the modern day independent musician recording thing. I mean, it's either you're just like super lo-fi recording it to, you know, uh, an old tape recorder or you're you're kind of piecing it together wherever you can or however you can. And he recorded a lot of that at his house on a on a on a digital recorder and i he sent me those tracks and so then i i recorded my tracks here mm-hmm. and we we i dropboxed those to jay robbins over a magpie and then he dropped them in and then you know it's kind of like this effort a collected effort to put all this stuff all the pieces together and that's a change from even how it was when you and i started recording yeah. which was like you just go in the studio and you do it all in one in, in like an eight hour period yeah because <laughs> it was so expensive and do, you, do you remember when like you had to, i don't know if you had this experience but you had to you had to bring a cd like it's either you brought cds for them to burn or you had to pay like ten dollars to get a cd burned and you're like oh I, I remember the first time i heard i like I, I had a cd burned of my stuff and i was like oh my god it's so exciting i can listen to you in my car it's on the cd you know oh, i can't wait to hear it and that, now it's kind of like Nobody cares about CD. <laughs> I mean, I... It was I so quick. Yeah. Um, I also like the extended end bridge section. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, bri- yeah. The reprise of the bridge at the end that's right. extended like two to four times longer than you think it is going to be. Right, right, and right. And then it was... I, I really like it because I like the Beatles and I love that sound and it is familiar and I will give it a second listen because of the style that he did it to right. get the content of it on right, the right. next listen. Because this first listen through, I was just listening to the music, which was great. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So there you go, Andy Bop. You can find him at andybopusa.com. Is there another Andy Bop? There's another Andy Bop in Sweden, I think. Oh, interesting. Yes. Yes, so there you have it. Um, yeah, so we talk, talk about our tour. Have we uh, talked about our tour we yet? Have, we haven't talked about it yet. We are in, we, last last episode, we talked a little bit about uh, Lawrence, Kansas. Larry, Kansas. Larry K. <laughs> and uh, now uh, the next one, next stop is Tulsa, Oklahoma. Tulsa, Oklahoma. Which I have no connections there. Do you have connections there? I The only connection I have is one of my really super great friends carl jones who lives in new york city and we went to hendrix college together uh-huh. in arkansas he is from tulsa oh so i might be able to talk to him i looked at the calendar last night and realized that i need to make a connection because for some reason i was assuming that you had an idea but if we're going to tulsa i don't have an extreme <coughs> idea about it okay oh look look mouse is typing <laughs> mouse is typing on your computer yeah. mouse <laughs> i can't wait to see what he wrote <laughs> he wrote it a lot at least like, two sentences <laughs> 
So uh, well, you know what we could do? Oh, this is gonna be totally cool. Okay, I'm ready. All right, you ready? You yes. ready? Um bear with me. When we go to Tulsa, we can recreate uh the outsiders. Oh I have to be uh, Johnny Cake. I have to be Johnny. Yeah. You can be Pony Boy. Pony Boy Curtis? I think I have to be Johnny because uh-huh. um Here I, comes. Because I if you look at me, uh huh. I look like Ralph Macchio. You do. It's sort of been a whole lifelong thing. <laughs> and I'm going to be as ageless as he is, too, because he's 58 now, and he looks... He looks really young. He looks like 20. Have you been watching uh, Have you been watching The Deuce? Is he in it? He's in it. Oh, oh, I'm going to watch and it. And it's David Simon. <laughs> oh, David, awesome. David Simon wrote it. Or he's a co-writer. Baltimore native, yep. Baltimore writer. It's really good. I, I watched the first season. Okay, I didn't realize Ralph Macchio was in it. I kind of avoid some things because of James Franco. He's awesome in it. Okay, he's in it. it is I, I don't like. I don't particularly care for James. There's a like a a broness about James yeah, Franco. Yeah, that's that what I, I turns me off sometimes. But I think that's only when he's around Seth Rogen. <laughs> yeah. Seth Brogan. <laughs> so maybe when they're separate. Maybe when they're separate, they're okay. He can be who he truly is. Yeah, an amazing actor. Um, yeah, I think that I would want to be Johnny because um, I look like Ralph Macchio. Johnny Cake. Ah, I'm going to dye my hair blonde. Stay gold, Oh, no, wait, boy. Pony Boy dyes yeah. his hair blonde. Johnny's yeah. the one who gets burned and dies in the hospital. Yeah. Ugh. He's stay gold, Pony Boy. Stay, stay gold. Stay gold. Uh, uh. Johnny. Johnny. Johnny Cake. Uh, Matt Dillon's worst performance ever. We're going to teach those socials tonight, man. We're going to do it tonight, man. We're going to do it for Johnny, man. Ugh, what a terrible book <laughs> it is I, I know some people are like The oh. Outsider is my favorite book ever you need to read more books <laughs> yeah you should read that more books is, that book is junk and the movie I like the movie I thought the movie it's was Francis really good Ford Coppola directed that Tom Waits is in it as Buck Merrill Tom Waits is in it um, Patrick Swayze uh huh Diane Lane yes is in it mm-hmm. uh, Emilio it? Estevez Emilio Estevez Tom Cruise oh yeah Tom Cruise Tom Cruise He's is Steve. It? Yep. You've been watching this movie a lot. <laughs> I just, hey. You're just a fan. You're just I'm, a fan I'm, of I'm it. I'm just a fan of the movie. Uh, yep. So I feel like today went pretty well. I, considering <laughs> that it started with me waking up this morning and basically doing my podcast in the shower. Right. And, and me not knowing what, what day of the week it is. <laughs> and not having anything set up. Grim, you need to take a nap. I do need, I'm not going to have a chance to take a nap tonight. He's gigging. Yeah, I six thirty, six thirty to eight thirty. It's an early gig at the Monument Brewing. So uh, all. But by you the people, time this airs, you're not going to hear it. Well, you'll all have to get in your collective time machines and uh, go back. Ooh, but the time that by the time this airs, I'll be playing at Monument Brewing, um, Monument City Brewing Company. Oh, you'll have your new PA that you ordered, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh huh. <laughs> I will. You did you order it? <laughs> You didn't order. Did I you? I'm still compiling the elements in my mind of what I'm going to order. Wrote a, I wrote you a list. I know. I uh. know. There's other things I need to get from our sponsor, our future sponsor, Sweetwater.com. Oh man, that would be. Oh, oh that, come be, on, Sweetwater, sponsor so us. Tight. Sponsor us. Mike Arango, you are my sales engineer. Please. Austin Moss, Austin Moss, you've been my Austin sales. Moss. That's Austin a good name. Moss has been my sales engineer at Sweetwater for like eleven or twelve years. Yeah, yeah, I've been working with uh, Mike for since two thousand ten. Musicians who are listening, Sweetwater is a great company. Yep. They stand by their products. They're super fast at shipping. They're really helpful, and they're yep. a bunch of people who actually know they know everything what they're talking about and are very helpful. 
helpful. They're a great company in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Yep. And we drove by there this summer or last year with last Matt year. Monta. We yeah. were driving by and I was like, oh my God, there's the sweet water. It's like, it was like we're, Mecca. We're, we should be able, like, we'll, let's look at our tour and figure out if we can, if we're going through Indianapolis, maybe we'll have enough time to stop at Sweetwater. Yeah, maybe we should do a show there. <sighs> meet, meet, meet our sales. Meet our, our sales, sales engineers. engineers. Oh my God, it'd be so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Nerds. <laughs> Oops. <Yeah. laughs> The cats are getting restless yes, and yes. wanting to participate so, in a nap. <laughs> so as we wind these things up, as always, we're going to ask, I'm going to ask Ellen Cherry. Ellen Cherry, if I were, God, if I were just desperate to buy really great music about the introspective nature of, My, of, uh, me. Uh, of you and women and Welcome stuff like that. Welcome to me. Yes, yes. Your, your, your sensuousness from the last podcast. <laughs> To experience um, my sensuousness through music. Because now all I, I, all I can hear is you in the shower. Um, where, where would I find that? You would go to uh, ellencherry.com and uh-huh. you would click on the store page, which would take you to ellencherry.bandcamp.com. Oh, very good. Yeah. That sounds good. So there's two ways. Two ways to get Ellen Cherry. Two portals. Two. Uh-huh. How can we port our port a potty ourselves into your world? Well, you know, you just got you just got to talk to my cousin Donnie. He's just right out, outside on the lawn. Yeah, he's out there. You well, know, he's out there back. He got his own storefront. Uh you know, it's like he's got like oh, he's got some oily rags, and uh, I want you to put that <laughs> in the merch section. Merch section. <laughs> oily rags. Oily rags. Cousin, do- cousin Donnie's oily rags. <laughs> Three dollars. Three dollars. Three dollars, you get yourself one of them rags. And eight dollars. Yeah, eight dollars. You can uh, you can get you can get like a a pack a package like pack you get a five. CD, oily rag, and uh, you get an old trucker cap. Um, ooh, I know, I know some Baltimore musicians who will want to buy that. Um, anyhow, you can find my stuff at junestar.com, J U N E S T A R D D dot com D O T Z O M. I don't know. I'm tired. June starred. June. <laughs> yeah, you June starred. Shut up. Uh, and you can find us at whyaren'tyoufamous.org. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't mention my subscriptions. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I got to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. You get all of my records. Plus, I post a song a week. This year is uh, Public Domain Songs. And they're all awesome and fun. And you get all the records. And June Star has a new record coming out in the spring. And you would get that in the subscription. Uh, it is a one-stop shop for all your June Star needs. Uh, and also, uh, whatever, uh, please give me your money. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll just be blunt now. I think it's worthwhile. I think so too. I agree. And actually I was thinking about this. Um, you know that I, I need to subscribe to your subscription service. Well, I need to subscribe to your service. Yeah. But then I was just like, that's sort of canceling it out, isn't it? Yeah. But it's also, I would be able to say I have 20 subscribers then. Ooh. Okay. I'll do it. And how many subscribers do you have? I think I have 11. Ooh, that's pretty good. Yeah. So the ultimate goal is a thousand. Yes. Hey, we should have a challenge. We should have a challenge. Okay, I'm gonna try to get two more subscribers in the next two weeks. Okay, I will. I and so I. Well, we'll just we'll just uh, we'll do the challenge match. Okay. <laughs> so if I get two, then you have to get four. Okay. What? No, that doesn't make <laughs> Wait, sense. Wait, what? <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah. All right. So the goal next for the next time next week is to get two. Two, two more subscribers okay in the next week okay okay all right on it's on it's on enemy <laughs> frenemy enemy of mine Be- best frenemy <laughs> best enemy okay my well, favorite is best enemy best enemy so we're gonna t- uh that's better than best enema isn't it yes yes it is okay so we're gonna say goodbye podcasters bye podcasters and our next episode is or bo- about- ca- bo- podcasties 
podcastees. I don't know what the next episode is. You're just going to have to wait and find out. Here we go. All right. See ya. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. (laughs)